Welcome to Disney Deciphered, a podcast helping you save money, time, and stress as you plan your Disney vacation. On today's episode, listener Teresa asked us to talk about motion sickness at the parks, so we let you know what attractions to avoid and what are worth getting sick for. Final episodes of this podcast, anywhere you find podcasts, and we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a positive review. If you'd like to support the podcast, check us out on patreon.com slash Disney Deciphered, where you can receive bonus content. You can also support the podcast at no cost to you by using me as your travel agent. Get started by emailing Joseph Chung at travelmation.net. Any questions or episode ideas, email us DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com. Tweet us at www.deciphered on Twitter or find us on Instagram, Disney Deciphered. Thanks and enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Joe from As the Joe Flies. And I'm Leslie from Trips with Tykes. And welcome back to Disney Deciphered. So on today's episode, we received an email from Teresa, a listener, and she wrote in asking us to discuss motion sickness in the park and you know what rides to look out for. We have kind of taken it and put our own spin on things. And so what we're going to do today is talk about motion sickness at the four theme parks at Walt Disney World, but discuss rides that it's pretty obvious that you should avoid for motion sickness, rides that are sneaky that you might not think might affect you with motion sickness, but can kind of sneak up on you, and then rides that are worth the pain, as long as you don't get to the point of actually getting sick. Before we get started, a reminder, you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash Disney Deciphered. Subscribe there to receive bonus content and also if you would like to, please check us out on YouTube, youtube.com slash at Disney Deciphered and like and subscribe to the channel there. All right, Leslie, motion sickness is like a very broad category. People suffer from different types of motion sicknesses. Both of us have our own motion sickness issues. And I noticed, you know, when you put together the notes for this episode and I was like, oh, Leslie is affected by different rides than I am. So I think this is going to be pretty interesting, but I thought it'd be good to start by discussing what kind of motion sickness do you deal with? And then I'll talk about myself. And then we'll also talk about some strategies before we get into the rides themselves. Yeah, sure. So I have vertigo. I guess I've mentioned it several times on the podcast before, but I don't have what I would call motion sickness necessarily. I sort of have a cousin. I don't get sick to my stomach. Like I have an iron stomach. I don't have queasiness, but I get spinny. So I think we're sort of including that in the broader category. But I feel like this episode is a little bit like the plus size episode that that I did with our guest Becca Robbins several months ago. Like everybody responds differently. Everybody has different challenges on the same rides. So it's not a one size fits all uh, kind of issue. So this is sort of one of those things where you really have to know yourself and your body and what sets you off. And hopefully I think most people, certainly adults know like this, this kind of movement bothers me, but this other kind of movement does it much, much harder with kids, especially if you haven't taken them to an amusement park anywhere before. And you might find that you have challenges that, that come out of nowhere. I know this is a big issue for folks who, who cruise the first time with a child. Um, I mentioned this years ago I, on one of our on our cruise episodes I had a friend who took a child who had no motion sickness issues on a cruise and suddenly he was violently ill for four days so like this can happen so I, I do think you really have to sort of know your body test out what you can before you take a big you know week-long Disney vacation if you can go to like the Six Flags around the corner and see how your your kid does on certain rides that's probably worth the $39 admission or something like that 
Yeah, I think that's a great point. It's not one size fits all. For myself, I get motion sickness like I've had to sit in the front of the car like as soon as I was able to. I get motion sickness in cars like I can't read in cars. Speaking of Six Flags, very famous Chung family memory. I was playing Othello, like one of those, you know, back in the day when we didn't have phones, kids, you would buy these like travel versions of games. And I was playing Othello with my sister down to Six Flags. It was about a 45 minute drive down from where I used to live to Six Flags Great Adventure in New Jersey and got sick all over the car before we even got to get into the, I think we finished the animal safari. There was a animal safari you could drive through and then I got sick. So no Othello in the car from that point on. So that's kind of how I've always been. After cruises, I generally have sea legs for like a week or two. Like I feel just kind of, whoa, like I'm just moving around for a while. And then I don't remember, I talked about it on this podcast, but a couple of years ago, I can't remember if it was the trip that I uh, met up with you, Leslie, but there was a trip where I came back from Disney World and I was like spinning and felt, not even necessarily like my head was f- spinning, but like I felt queasy on the rides, which was normal. But then afterwards, when I got back, I like kind of lost my sense of balance for a little, little while. And, you know, that's kind of what affects me talking about some solutions to motion sickness there are the obvious ones like c-bands i've never used those leslie do you like it does it actually release like a chemical or like a patch type of situation no it's just acupressure so there's a little hard plastic thing that hits like one of your blood vessels or veins or something like that in your wrist so it's really just an acupressure point i actually have used c-bands quite a bit like i don't like i say i don't get motion sick but if like i'm on a a cruise ship that's really rocking and rolling like i just put those on prophylactically and i haven't really had any issues i mean occasionally we'll get like a little bit queasy but only in truly extreme situations like the boat is really moving (laughs) and then there are i guess home remedies like ginger and peppermint i actually didn't know about those leslie are they what old old tales or (laughs) No, I mean, ginger is something that like during pregnancy, like a lot of a lot of women use for, you know, nausea and things like that. I definitely like had ginger juice during my first trimester of pregnancy. So this is this is a man thing, Joe, that you don't know about this, maybe. (laughs) Yes, my wife, my wife does have an iron stomach. So, you know, her did she who cares you you don't care whether she was nauseated when she was pregnant but i don't think she was very nauseated when she was pregnant and then of course there there are medicines like dramamine which a lot of people take like i i'm not at that level where i take that stuff and then you can watch what you eat i'll get to a certain ride where that factors in for me and then finally something i tried i actually heard it about it on the dcl podcast uh, nova shared about it there are these things called relief bands And they are, I guess, conceptually a little bit like acupressure, but you actually put this gel on your wrist and it actually, it sends like a little electric shock through you. It's like, you can feel like your, your wrist tingles and it's supposed to like shut down the nerves. I, so I used that when I was having that issue where I was like feeling like, things were still moving after Disney. Like I actually used the relief band and yeah, I think it worked at the very least it worked, you know, as a placebo, but ultimately like I did not like my wrist buzzing. People say you get used to it. I did not get used to it. I was like, I felt like a dog with a shock collar on and my wrist was like constantly, and you can like up the, you can up the, 
you can up the charge supposedly and you're supposed to up it to like whatever you can anyway it was too much for me but relief band you can check it out you know i still have it uh, in the closet somewhere if i ever need to use it all right so let's get to attractions now obviously I would say, depending on your level of motion sickness, and everyone's different, but of course, everyone is already going to have at least a yellow flag up when we're talking about roller coasters. So we're not going to talk about too many roller coasters, but you know, if we don't mention a roller coaster in one of the theme parks, just know that you know whether you can deal with roller coasters or not, right? We're here to talk about the things that might you might not think of or might sneak up on you. So let's start with the Magic Kingdom. You know, what are the obvious attractions that you had that make you motion sick or that you are concerned about? And this is, you know, this is where I was like, oh, Leslie and I are pretty different. <laughs> yeah, the two that I picked were the Magic Carpets of Aladdin and Astro Orbiter, which are an aerial carousel that, you know, things that go around a central axis and yeah so those make me spinny <laughs> clearly but maybe they don't bother you as much joe but i i find as someone who does get dizzy that i need to like pick a spot like like an ice skater or a ballet dancer would to like center myself as those rides are going around the central axis because i will have those sea legs when i get off the ride if i am not careful so if i'm sort of like in the moment or i'm especially on like a ride like astro orbiter that's really high you know you want to take in the views right so you're turning your head as the ride is moving and that can really sort of set off some motion sickness issues for a lot of people so so the height plus the spinning really can can be a double whammy because it encourages you to do things that maybe like don't protect your 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 brain and your and your stomach <laughs> during the process so do those bother you joe so i would say astro orbiter does a little bit because astro orbiter you kind of we've said it before you feel like you're falling out a little bit you're kind you're not it's not because you're going so fast but the angle of the actual ride vehicle gets slanted so you're kind of falling in towards the center a little bit. So that one gets me a little bit, but in general, aerial carousels don't bother me too much. But if something like that bothers you, then yeah, you definitely want to also throw in Triceratops spin at Animal Kingdom. I know we're not at Animal Kingdom yet, but you know those are the ones to watch out for. But then like besides that, like Magic Kingdom is pretty relaxed. Obviously there are some roller coasters, Big Thunder Mountain, Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, but you're not worried too much about the attractions there. Now, what like what are the kind of sneaky attractions at Magic Kingdom that you think people might not think to watch out for but should possibly consider? So I put Dumbo in the sneaky um, category, even though it's kind of a similar ride to Magic Carpets and Astro Orbiter. To me, that's sneakier for folks because people think of that first as a kiddie ride, as a classic ride that they're going to do with their baby or toddler. And you think less about the spinning first. You think more about the theming. And, you know, I, I think it's a ride too. A lot of people will skip Aladdin and skip Astro Orbiter, but they won't skip Dumbo because it is that classic. So th that does sneak up on a lot of people. A lot of other people will just completely miss those other two rides altogether. They're not sort of priorities for a lot of travelers. I also put Tron on this list and I haven't written, written it, but you have. So what was your experience on like whether that snuck up on you? It did not sneak up on me. You're kind of expecting it. It is a little bit... It's different because you are like riding a bike um, and you're not 
kind of in a seated position. I actually felt like that helped me a little bit because I was always watching forward, but there's a big acceleration at the beginning. I would say the thing with Tron, the reason why it's not too bad is it's short. And so, you know, my kids complain that it's too short, but I, I said the first time I wrote Tron, oh, it was only 60 seconds. That was great because no matter how many twists and turns there were, I was able to survive it. So yeah, but I, I, I definitely think Tron is, you know, it can sneak up on you because I, the other thing is people will tell you it's short. And so then it could sneak up on you because it's not as short as your personal tolerance. Yeah. One thing I've heard from a lot of folks who've written it is because you are leaning over, like some people find the pressure in their stomach really uncomfortable. So that's a way it might sneak up on you is just that weird positioning. And, but yeah, I sort of feel like that positioning might make me feel like I'm more in control. Like I'm like, I'm riding a motorcycle or something like that. We shall see when I do it. I, I am grateful that it's short. Yeah. Pro tip, not pro tip, but something to note there. I think you feel that pressure on your stomach when you think that you have to lay forward on the, not cushion, but the, you know, the, the metal in front of you or whatever that is, the seat, or it's weird talking about it because you're leaning forward. Actually though, the harness behind you, that's not actually what is keeping you on the ride. It's actually your leg harnesses that are keeping you on the ride. So the physical thing behind you, mentally, you sort of are like assuming that you're kind of clamped in a la flight of passage, but you're not. So you can actually sit up and that's a good point, Leslie. The first time I wrote it, I was kind of like hunched over all the way. And I'm not sure if it was like the pressure on the stomach or that was like a weird position. But from that point on, every time I've written it, I've like kind of sat up a little bit more, like lean backwards so that I'm like not as pressed up against the motorcycle. And that really made it so it doesn't bother me you know, I don't know if I could do four minutes of it, but like one minute doesn't bother me at all. So good point. I, I totally forgot about the stomach thing there. Attractions that are kind of worth the pain. You put these down, Leslie. I was like, do I really agree with them? But I guess I will let them go. So the first one, I guess I will reluctantly agree with, although I make my kids do it without me now. Teacups, Mad Hatter's teacups. It's just a classic. You kind of have to do it. You have to suffer through it as a family. I will say, if all five of us are there, I will do it so that we all sit in a teacup and go nuts. But yeah, that is one of the attractions that really, it makes me quite sick, especially my kids are always trying to spin us as fast as possible, and I'm trying to like reverse their work. But it, it is a classic, and, and it is kind of worth suffering just, just for the family. No, like I don't know about your family, but like we laugh the most on that yeah, I totally agree. It's the ride that bothers me the absolute most of anything in Disney parks. And, you know, even more so yet, like you say, now that the kids are bigger and they really want to spend the teacup. And I do the same thing that I do with like the Dumbo and Astro Orbiter. I pick the spot and try to, but it's spinning too fast for me to do that, like the entire ride. And so usually by about halfway through, I just like lean into it and just expect that I'm going to walk like a drunk person when I get off the ride. So, I mean, to me, you're right though. That's when we're laughing and we're, you know, the kids are squealing and we get the cutest videos over the years. It's definitely been worth it for the memories, even with all of the spinniness for me. Now, the second one you put on here, Leslie space mountain. Yeah, I guess, I guess, I guess I would, I do suffer through that one as well. Space mountain is not, it's not, a very 
thrilling roller coaster, I would say. It's pretty tame. Like if they turned all the lights on, actually I've done it with all the lights on. Happy to do Space Mountain when all the lights are on. It really doesn't feel that bad at all. It's a little rickety and you're kind of sloshing around a little more than you would want to. It's not like a smooth roller coaster, but I don't mind that. But when it's dark and you don't know where you're going, it it, it does really get to me. But I, I do think, you know, it's a classic Disney attraction. It's worth going on. Yeah, I put it on this worth suffering through because it is a classic roller coaster. I mean, if there's going to be a coaster in Magic Kingdom that's going to bother you the most, it's probably space because, like you say, the other ones are are pretty mild. And space, it's worth pointing out, at Magic Kingdom is bumpier than Space Mountain at Disneyland. And this is something that surprises a lot of people. And I kind of forgotten that. The last time I was at Magic Kingdom, I you know, was doing it in close proximity to a Disneyland trip. And I felt like Space Mountain was feeling a little bit more like the Matterhorn to me, like in terms of how it was jerking you around. So if you do have motion sickness issues that are more like a jerky car, you know, like you might if you were like off-roading or something like that, then I think you need to be aware of that. It's not just the drops and the spins and not the spins, but the the curves. It's also just sort of that herky jerkiness. And that can be different based upon where you are in the line of the vehicles. Like it's a different ride, whether you're in the front or in the back or in the middle to me. So that's something to kind of keep in mind. But again, I think it's worth it because it is one of those classic attractions. You can't, I don't know, Unless it really, really makes you ill, you can't go to Disney World without riding Space Mountain. At least the first time you've gone, for (laughs) sure, for sure. All right, let's move on to the next park. What do we got? All right, next park is our favorite, Epcot. And there are two obvious attractions. One, I think, is the most obvious attraction of any of the parks, and that is Mission Space. In fact, it's so obvious that I don't think that I've necessarily done it. It's possible I did it in my 20s and I don't remember it, but I have not done it in my 30s or 40s because Mission Space is like the one ride that makes pretty much, if it's going to make you vomit, this is going to be the attraction. Now, there are two versions of Mission Space. There's the green version and the orange version. So if you sort of want to like test the waters, then you can do the green and, uh, but if you know that you have motion sickness or vertigo issues, I wouldn't attempt the the higher level one because it really does send a lot of people and it, and it like can ruin days. Like I know people who where it sets them off and then they are done for the day. They have to like they can't recover. So this is one that I really would be careful with. Um, what do you think about that, Joe? Have you been on it recently? No, I haven't gone on for close to a decade. And the other thing about Mission Space is it's a simulator. The orange one like spins you around, but I think the thing that gets me the most and gets people the most on Mission Space is it's just very claustrophobic. You are stuck in a position, you can't move, you're right up against the screen that you're looking at. And so, yeah, Mission Space is definitely one of those. Try the green version first and then try the orange if you're feeling lucky after that. But definitely, like to me, when I hear motion sickness, at Disney World, this is the most obvious attraction to avoid, which you won't ne- wouldn't necessarily know looking at it from the outside. The second attraction you had here was Test Track. I was gonna kind of put this on my sneaky one, but you know, it is it is kind of obvious. Like if you get sick in cars, you're gonna get sick in Test Track because they are they're testing the car, like they make it swerve and like brake hard, and then you know probably the part at the end is the part that will get you the least because you're just driving really fast and accelerating. But yeah, Test Track is definitely one of those attractions that can get to you. 
Well, let's move on to the sneaky attractions. I put um, Remy's Ratatouille Adventure on this list. And the reason is, I mean, this is a kiddie ride, a dark ride, but it has a combination of ride vehicles going in front of screens in addition to going through physical sets. And anytime you're having that screen-based movement, that really can bother a lot of people with motion sickness or vertigo issues because you're not moving, but you feel like you're moving and the screen is sort of creating that effect. So this is one that definitely can get a lot of people. And then, and then the ride vehicles themselves do kind of spin at certain places, um, you know, to at least turn, turn around at certain places, not super fast, but that can set some folks off as well. So definitely that's one to watch out for but it's not to the level I should just say that bothers me. It's never been, you know, I say teacups bother me, Astro Orbiter bothers me, but I'm fine on Remy. So this is sort of one of those, um, you know, your miles may vary kind of attractions depending upon what bugs you. Yeah, I definitely agree. It can sneak up on you. Just the, the trackless vehicles, they can get them to like move and jerk a little bit. And it's just like more than you would expect. Now you have Canada far and wide on here. Leslie, which props to you. This is a very deep cut. The attraction, the show, the video show at Canada. I'm guessing it's because it's like huge screens and just like a lot of movement on on screen. Yeah. So if IMAX movies bother you, this could the same idea, really wide screen. And I had to close my eyes on it last year. I remember going into it at the end of the day. We thought, you know, oh, like we're going to just have a rest and get some, <laughs> get a place to kind of, kind of sit down because there's not a lot of seating in there, but you can kind of uh, get a little bit if it's empty. And I had to close my eyes because there's this, I guess it's some scenes where they're like soaring over the landscapes and this on this giant screen and there's just a lot of movement. So definitely that's, that's a real sneak up on you, but again, maybe not an attraction that's on everybody's must do list. So it might take you a while to discover that this is a problem. Is it standing? I know like the China show is standing and is this one yeah. standing as well? France is sitting down. Yeah. Yeah, it's standing, but there are some some benches, a very limited number. I mean, mostly usually for folks with disabilities, but a lot of times it's so empty that like everybody who's in there could sit in the benches. All right, so let's get to the ones that are worth it. I will do the easier one, and that would be Soren. Same situation, like if IMAX is tough for you. Also, if you're scared of heights, by the way, Soren is one that you want to avoid. There's not a ton of movement. It's you know, it's all in your head, really. There's a little bit of rocking back and forth, almost like you're sitting in a swing and not like actively swinging, but just swaying a little bit. But because of the, I mean, maybe there's a little bit more side to side movement, but not a ton, but because of the gigantic IMAX screen that you're on and that it looks like you're flying, you know, it can definitely get to some people. So Soren is one, I think it's worth it. I actually think it's the one that motion sickness wise, definitely worth it. If you're scared of heights though, maybe you want to skip that one, but I'm guessing people have realized since we didn't put it on our obvious list that this attraction is going to be on our worth the pain list. Leslie, what do we got? Cosmic Rewind. (laughs) And this is, you know, a lot of ink has been spilled about uh, this attraction when it debuted last year. I guess that's where we are now in the the timeline. And um, 
you know, it's a great, great coaster, but it sets a lot of people off so much so that there was publicity about how Disney had barf bags or people were like throwing up into the like trash cans right outside of the exit. And it's made all the more difficult, like you get off the attraction and then you have to immediately climb a flight of stairs. So if you're dizzy or not feeling great, like exerting yourself to climb the flight of stairs is, you know, not a great way to, to, to end the experience. But, you know, I was really worried about this because it is a a coaster, but it also is a coaster that spins. And then there's things happening all around you that you want to take a look at. So when I wrote it for the first time, I thought it might set off my vertigo. So I was sort of very careful not to turn my head to strain to look at the different attractions, which meant I maybe couldn't get the full experience of the ride. But I did it a couple more times since then. And, you know, could very sort of carefully and cautiously move my head. But this is sort of one of those ones where if you have issues, I would try to sort of set your body first and not be looking all around until you figure out how much this is going to set set you off. And thus far, I have not had any real spins getting off of it. And I've, I've been okay. But I know from riding it with you, Joe, that it has set you off quite a bit more. What do you think? Oh, yeah, it is like, I can't do another thrill attraction for like, at least a few hours after I do Gardens of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind, but I do find that it's worth it. So my other bits of advice, I never ride this attraction on, in fact, I try to ride it first thing in the morning, nothing just, and then I skip breakfast. So like, I do not ride this with a full or even partially full stomach at all. Like I know that is, that would be pretty dangerous for me. You know, I felt I don't think I've ever felt like I wanted to be sick, but I could see how like if I was very full and definitely if I had taken a few alcoholic beverages, I would be, you know, pretty at risk there. So that's the first thing. I always ride it as early as possible with as little food in my stomach as possible. And then the second thing is I always focus my head on the direction of the movement. So the car is going to spin around. And so sometimes you're 90 degrees. If you're facing forward, you'd be looking 90 degrees compared to the direction you're moving, I always turn my head to look at the way that the car's moving. And I've never risked actually like looking around and looking at the planet in the middle as you're spinning around. Like I know that's kind of a recipe for disaster for myself. And then the last thing I would say is like, you don't need to be a hero. There are benches at the bottom of the stairs before you have to go up them. You know, just take a minute, rest, relax, and then go up the stairs and then rest again when you get to the other side of the stairs. You know, if it if it takes you out, you know, it'll take a little bit of a while. But everyone who rides it and survives it, it's it's like one of people's favorite attractions. It really blows people away and definitely worth the risk in our opinion. All right, so let's move to Hollywood Studios. So with the obvious attractions here, you've got Rock and Roller Coaster. This is the only roller coaster with an inversion at Walt Disney World, so you're definitely going to want to bear that in mind. Tower of Terror, this is just all ups and downs. I think you know you know if you're good at that, but for most people, it's just going to make you feel like your stomach is in your throat, and so that is kind of an obvious one to avoid. And then Alien Swirling Saucers, say whatever you want about the attraction itself. That type of attraction is called a whip attraction and you're just whipping around back and forth so that can really get to you as well now what are the sneaky attractions at hollywood studios that are you know we've got to kind of keep an eye out for 
So both Star Wars themed attractions, I put Star Tours on there as well as Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run. And the reason these uh, cause issues for a lot of folks is that they are screen based attractions with the ride vehicles sort of moving and, and, you know, simulating movement in conjunction with the screens. So those simulator rides really set a lot of people off because the vehicle itself is not actually moving that much, but then the screen is giving you the illusion that much bigger movement is happening. So these, you know, if the kinds of rides that Universal has <laughs> set you off, because you know, that's the big criticism of Universal, is that they only have screen-based attractions, then these are in that same category at Hollywood Studios, so you should probably avoid them. I mean, personally, neither one of them give me issues. I think if I had to say one was was worse than the other, I, I would say that Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run can be worse if you are not one of the pilots, if you're in the engineer or um, the gunner seats, because a lot of the things that you're supposed to be doing are in the panels off to the side of you. So that's meaning that you're turning your head away from the screen and the motion for moments to like hit the buttons. So so if that gives you an issue, then either you want to be the pilot or you just want to neglect your duties of being <laughs> engineer or gunner. You'll make it to the other side of the mission, regardless of whether you repair the ship or not. Spoiler alert. Yeah, I think Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run is a little bit worse. Star Tours is older, so in some senses, it's like a little bit bumpier, but you're kind of always facing forward. And again, you know, I I do think the kind of claustrophobia comes into effect here, and Smuggler's Run is just a smaller cockpit, so that's going to be affecting you a little bit more. Now, on our definitely worth the suffering list, it will that will be the third Star Wars attraction, Rise of the Resistance. Again, it's one of these trackless vehicles like Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway or Ratatouille. But you're moving around a lot, kind of avoiding getting attacked and things like that. And like there are going to be sharp turns, but that attraction, like you kind of got to go on it no matter what. It's just like one of the most immersive attractions, even in its B plus functioning state these days. It's, it's just one of the greatest attractions out there. And, you know, if you're not a Disney regular like us, like, so the Disney regulars are like, oh, it's the guns aren't working. And, you know, we have all these complaints about Rise of the Resistance. But the reality is, you know, as long as it's mostly working, um, you're going to be like, oh, wow, that was that was quite an attraction. Yeah, I totally agree. And we should also mention there's a small drop at the very end of it, not like Tower of Terror level, but there is a small one and it is sort of a very split second of stomach in your throat. But it's it's pretty low key. Like I would say the drop is probably like one of those like kiddie drop rides that you might have in an amusement park, like enough that you feel it, but but not much more than that. So I think I think it's definitely worth worth the suffering. It's a truly epic attraction and we're seeing if you haven't done it yet. The other one I picked is Toy Story Mania. And the reason I picked that is because it's, again, screen-based. You're And you're in these ride vehicles, trackless ride vehicles, that are kind of whipping around and spinning and jerking to get you to the next screen. So it does bother bother some folks. And, and it, it is a little jerkier. Like when I've ridden it with like a very young toddler, I've been like holding on to the kid because they could definitely go, you know, like bump, bump on something because it does sort of move that forcefully. But it's a fun, fun attraction. I love the competition. I love the gamesmanship. If you have kids who like video games, then this is always very, very popular. So I think it's worth, I think it's worth the suffering and it doesn't, it doesn't rise to the level that it will get most people in major ways, I think. Yeah. I'm glad you put it on here. I mean, because I would have included this on my sneaky 
kind of motion. I, I didn't realize it until I started having those problems a couple of years ago that when I get off Toy Story Mania, I'm just like, oh, that was that was a lot like more bumpy and more jerky than I thought. But all that being said, like I've never considered not going on Toy Story Mania. It's just it's just definitely worth the I would say light bumping, but it, it's it's just more jerky than you would expect from a kid's ride. All right, let's close things out at Animal Kingdom. For our obvious attraction, we have Dinosaur. It is you're not only like moving, you're kind of in a ride vehicle going back in time and dodging dinosaurs. And so you're jerking back and forth and taking these sharp turns, but it's also dark. So you don't totally know where you're going a lot of the time. So that's why it can be pretty concerning. So that's kind of an obvious attraction to avoid. Now, there's not a ton of attractions at Animal Kingdom, Leslie, but do we got any sneaky ones here? Yes, sneaky. I think the safaris are sneaky. I mean, you're in this giant Jeep vehicle. So if off-roading and like the bumpiness of off-roading bother you in the real world, then this is that same thing in the Disney world. So I think you have to be really careful about the safaris. I mean, you know, if you're closer to the front of the vehicle, you can kind of see a little bit more what's ahead. But like there's some big potholes and there's some, some big bumps and it's a pretty long ride. So if it does start to bother you, you're in it for a while. And, and so I, th- I think that's something to keep in mind. And then another sneaky one that I put on the list, and it's been a long time since I've done it because it's so terrifying and terrible, in my opinion, is it's tough to be a bug. Another screen-based Um, It's not an attraction, it's a show, but it's 3D and that can sort of set some folks off and it's both terrifying. So it's sneaky in that way to a lot of folks who think they should take toddlers to it, but it's also sneaky in the way that it can trigger some some motion sickness for folks who have screen-based issues. I feel bad. I know there are very adamant, it's tough to be a bug fans out there. If you're listening, I'm sorry, we here at Disney Deciphered seem to never miss an opportunity to take a shot at it's tough to be a bug. So apologies to all of you. It's tough to be a bug stands out there. Now, for attractions that are worth it, I would say if you know you enjoy roller coasters, Expedition Everest is worth it. It is a very intense roller coaster. Probably in a lot of ways, I feel like it's more intense than rock and roller coaster even though rock and roller coaster actually has an inversion just because of the setting you're going backwards on expedition everest if you know that you really love roller coasters but like you're kind of trying to decide which roller coasters are worth risking motion sickness for do expedition everest obviously if you're not a roller coaster fan though you can skip that one but the last attraction we have here on the worth the suffering list leslie i feel like everyone's got to try at least once Yeah, Flight of Passage. I mean, one of Disney's absolute, absolute best. And another screen-based attraction, you're riding a banshee so you're sort of in that same um, setup that we mentioned for for tron where you're like you're riding a bicycle so that can sort of set some folks off but but then you're flying and you know the screen is is simulating the movement in front of you so it does set a lot of folks off i would say maybe not as much as like some of those screen-based attractions at universal like you know i i think it's sort of in the middle of, you know, if you were to rate screen-based attractions, it's not one of the worst. So I do think it's worth that risk if you can tolerate it because it's a beautiful ride. It's a beautiful, beautiful ride and one that I want to do again and again and again and again every trip. I'm just laughing because, like, I only have one friend who has ever, like, not liked it. 
knowing what she was getting into. And I just, I just remember like she texted me after she got off and I could see like her face. It was probably like sheet white after Cause it is, it's a very intense ride. It's, it's almost like it's not even the motion. You know, we talked about how Soren, you know, people have called flight of passage Soren on steroids. So we've talked about how Soren, like it's, you're not even moving that much. It's just the IMAX theater making you feel like you're moving. Well, flight of passage is like that times 11. I mean, you really, it's as close as you can feel like to riding a pterodactyl type animal as you're ever going to get in this lifetime. Well, who knows with the way that the technology is going, but you know, it is, it is a spectacular ride and I definitely think it's worth risking and it's worth doing at least once. Well, that does it for our, you know, thoughts on attractions to watch out for motion sickness wise at Walt Disney world. If you have any thoughts, you can email us Disney deciphered at gmail.com tweet us at W deciphered on Twitter or message us on Instagram, Disney Deciphered. Also, you can head on over to our, our YouTube page, youtube.com slash at Disney Deciphered. Give us a like, drop us a comment for what we got wrong for these attractions. We're going to end with our traditional Disney do or don't. Leslie, what do you have for us motion sickness-wise, Disney do or don't? Do, if you're someone who suffers from motion sickness, watch out for the Disney Skyliner. This is like a sneaky attraction that is not in any of the parks. It definitely can cause some issues. I mean, it's talked about a lot in terms of the fear of heights, but if it's a little bit of a windy day, that Skyliner can be moving in ways that, you know, really might might set you off. I was on it once, actually, right before a storm and that kind of came out of nowhere, and, it, and the the carts were really blowing around so much so that they stopped the Skyliner and then that was it for the Skyliner once they got the rest of us off. So if it's a windy day, that might be a time to skip it. Or maybe if you're someone who has major motion sickness issues, you may not want to stay at a Skyliner resort. Yeah. And also, of course, if you're afraid of heights, the rocking, even if you're not motion sick, that rocking is not going to help. All right. So thanks again to Teresa for your episode idea. We really enjoyed it. Hopefully that answers some of your questions and hope you have a great trip coming up. Thank you everyone else for listening. And other than that, Leslie, thank you for taking the time to talk to me and I will see you screaming your head off on teacups with me. Next time we're together, we got to do it. Spin as much as possible. You know, put it on Instagram Live or do whatever social media nonsense, Leslie. We got to do it. Thanks, Jim.